0: Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Brayden Gall.
1: Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at TheAaronDugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan.
2: Hi, I'm Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38Godfrey on Instagram
0: and Twitter, Marketing Synergy. There you have it. Uh, (laughs) Alabama, Florida, did we get a blueprint or was it just Alabama teasing us? We'll get into that, of course. Auburn goes on the road and in a loss – Actually, we learned some things about Bo Nix and Brian Harson. We'll get to that. Uh, obviously, there's some major officiating issues in the SEC that we've got to discuss. Aaron, you witnessed these officiating issues in person. We will discuss Texas A&M. Arkansas highlights a huge week Four. Georgia's offense is going to murder other football players this weekend. Matt Corral's mm-hmm. now your Heisman favorite. Um, Kentucky, do I need to be concerned? I know you guys aren't nearly as high on Kentucky as I am, so we'll get to Kentucky and then Tennessee-Florida week, I guess, is a thing that's happening. So all of that today on the show. Of course, we'll also talk with Clay Henry of WholeHogSports.com. Hogs Illustrated covering the Arkansas Razorbacks. We'll talk to him about that matchup with A&M as well a little bit later on in the show. However, Aaron Dugan, Fringe Element, is brought to you by...
1: Jaspers. um, Repaving the road to restaurant excellence with a smile
0: okay all right Re- let me say that Steven, again stephen your I'm thoughts missed. uh
1: repaving the road to yeah. restaurant excellence with a smile
2: okay okay all right you know there's no bad ideas uh we want it to be an open uh, room.
0: i like it a lot better when you it better than last week when you deliver it though too like when yeah, you get the too. words correct yeah. it was better i do i do like that go to jasper's oh. by the way it's free parking it is the next evolution of the sports bar. Look, you, there's a lot of people that work over there by, by Jaspers. And if you want a great place to grab a lunch, I go grab lunch all the time and take it to my wife from Jaspers because she works mm-hmm. right over there on West End. You cannot put a premium on the free parking part
2: of it all. Okay? Because now the parking situation is so bad, you want to go to Green Hills for
0: lunch? Good luck, buddy. No, nobody wants no. to do that. Mm-mm. And no one wants 12 to go South? To- no way. And no one wants to go downtown at any point no i really don't anymore jaspers um, go to jaspers is the evolution of the sports bar <laughs> and on top of that provides a wonderful opportunity for a great lunch or dinner great happy hours great specials during the week go right now there's there's a soccer match on a wednesday night you could watch there's football games on thursday nights and friday nights you could go watch there's all kinds of places and times to go tesla drive eat. to jaspers let will see if that works <laughs> someone's car just that like is, cr- crosses six lanes or something that is terrifying considering the news of the week um anyway before we get to football real quickly here all the other shows on the 440 sports network of course please check those out football and other efforts from broadway sports media you got the gold standard with pred season camp opens this week so go check that out nashville SC. there you go nashville sc of course club and country every tuesday please check that out and Lame Stream sports on friday so make sure you're downloading subscribing to all of the great podcasts from the network alabama and florida two-point game i i I guess my, my first question for both of you is just how real was this formula from Florida and how much of it was situational, meaning Bryce Young's third start, Florida Gators played him tough in the championship game. So they didn't get scared during the national Anthem. They had the home crowd, you know, like just how much of it was situational and how much of it was something that somebody else might be able to replicate. I'm excited
2: coming out of this game, I thought I wouldn't be. I thought it was going to be a mercy killing again uh, because we saw something we haven't seen. And look, pipe up if I'm wrong, but I really can't recall a time in which the Alabama machine gets going and then the other team, regardless of SEC, whatever, is able to correct the problems on both sides of the ball at the same time and then essentially take control of the game back. There's a lot of people who thought, Hey, if this game goes on for five or 10 more minutes, Florida wins just based on momentum. I don't know about that personally, but, uh, to see 21 to three, boom, boom, boom. The inevitability come Bryce young, looking exactly like what we expected Florida's defense being as predictable as we expected. And then Braden (laughs) three consecutive three and outs on defense for Florida, long scoring drives for, for Florida on offense. That's the thing that really sticks with me in this is that we were talking about a quarterback, quarterback controversy that we didn't have to worry about, but, this was a Florida offense that was methodical under a ton of pressure at home down big. They didn't overcompensate, right? They didn't try and win it all back right away. Speed they option did. left, speed option, right? Speed option, left, speed option, right? It was well scouted. It was well executed and it was the best job I've seen Dan Mullen do in a long time. I was very impressed. You, you Now look, we've seen teams give Alabama a game. Again, that's not what I'm saying. We've seen Alabama upset before, but normally in those situations, what you see is a confluence, of very, very, a quick flurry of scoring from the other team. And then they hang on for dear life as Alabama tries to mount a comeback. The instant, the one that the, the, one I can think of is Clemson in the national title. They just never could come back. Clemson kept pouring it on. Right. But an upset loss to an Alabama or excuse me, to an A&M or an Ole Miss, or even in the years where Auburn jumps out ahead, this was against script. This was something I've never seen before. And so I leave this game uh, more confident in Florida. I don't want to talk about the context with Georgia yet. I know that's where you want to go, but I'm very impressed with Florida and I did not think I would be.
1: You And you absolutely can't downplay what Dan Mullen and, and both sides of the ball for Florida were able to do against Alabama. My thought is that, you know, you hear people talking about, like, does that mean Alabama's offense can be contained? Like, what does this mean for the trajectory of the whole season? To me, all it proves is that Alabama, Florida could have beaten Alabama this week. I think we all, we have to remember that even though Alabama is as close to football perfection as we are used to seeing, they too can get better. And they quit, They fix things quickly. Nick Saban can make reparations. I mean, they're probably in within, you know, They've had probably one full practice at this point. There's a good chance that some of those things have already been fixed and we won't see some of those same issues to the same extent. Again, I mean, you can't downplay what Florida was able to do, but um, I was really impressed impressed with Bryce Young, I'm maybe even more so um, after this game, even though it was a little bit closer than we expected just because of the situation of what it's like to play in the Swamp, that he hasn't been in that situation before. Um Nick Saban even said in his press conference that there are a few times that the center wasn't able to hear that well. So there are some things that might have looked like Bryce Young that weren't even necessarily him. Um, I just don't think we can extrapolate this out any further than Florida could have beat Alabama this past week. That does not mean anything about Alabama for the rest of the season.
0: I, I that that's my issue with this is I try to look at like what created the because I'm with you, Godfrey. Like you're you're right. It was totally against script. It's very unusual to see you know, a a team go for 250 on the ground and then stop Alabama and then make the comeback after falling down by three touchdowns. Like it's just, it's very unusual, but here, here are the, also the unusual circumstances. And I believe this in my core, you cannot beat Alabama unless you have not played Alabama close in the past. I I think you have to, you cannot, you cannot lose it during the national anthem because if you lose during the national anthem, you're done. And Florida almost who played Florida toughest last season. Sorry who played Alabama toughest last season, it was Florida. A right. lot of those guys are back. So, A, Bryce Young's in his third game ever. He's on the road in a hostile environment. You have an offensive genius who's on, on par with Lane Kiffin who can make those adjustments. And, oh, by the way, you have a team that just went toe-to-toe with Alabama like four games ago. I don't know how, how do you replicate that other than maybe A&M on the road. You can't do it with Georgia – in the Georgia, you know, in Atlanta, I, I don't know where you can replicate that environment. If that makes sense. No,
2: th- that, that is a confluence of events. As I said earlier, th- th- what we saw, by the way, we don't really ever say this anymore. Cause we're all, you know, we've been doing this for a long time and we don't tend to pay attention to these things, but that crowd, I am always a little distrustful of the way crowds are miked in the HD era. Uh, there's a, a lot more emphasis placed on sort of, Creating environment for the television viewer, and so crowd noise is manipulated in the truck. I don't want to get into the like the specifics.
0: No, crowd size was manipulated. The Pittsburgh Tennessee broadcast, yeah, kept, kept telling me there were a hundred thousand people in Newland Stadium, and the television screen was showing fifty thousand empty seats. So, like, right. I'm I'm with you on this. But the swamp was legit. The swamp
2: was pre pandemic, yeah. loud, and and solid big blocks of crazy humanity. And it felt like the old days. And, and honestly, like after suffering through a really weird, emotionally anemic year last season, that was great to see. So I would just celebrate that full stop.
0: It's nice to have that back. All right. So the George, Aaron you got something else you need to add? Well, I was
1: just going to say that to, to me, even though in some ways we can look at this as like, maybe Alabama is a little bit um, more of a, Earthly than we thought. Like they can be played cl- in a close game. But I also would say for every other team out there, this is the worst thing that could have happened to everybody that wasn't Alabama. <laughs> exactly. Nick Saban exactly. loves this. this. He this loves was our that. Cha- they-
0: this was our chance.
1: Yes, really though, because this this I bet this is not going to happen again in this same fashion. Nick Saban probably secretly loved that this happened when it did. He said that the guys didn't show um, that same like spirit or wherewithal through throughout the game, especially on defense. I mean, there's going to be a lot of lessons, both tangible and intangible, yeah. that this team learned. It's going to make them better.
0: It g- it gives the, it gives him the anchor with which to you know, you know, uh, or the foundation with which to build the rest of the season's messaging around, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. oh, that's maybe the best that's The foundation. This is the best in season Nick Saban win ever possibly because you go on the road, you beat
2: the ranked team, your record's fine. You're in, you control your own destiny, but you have so many things to get irrationally mad about <laughs> right. starting with open field tackling on defense.
0: Oh, oh man. Hey, yeah. buddy's having a week. Well, and and again, I don't I don't like I think the it's a very old trope of like, oh, you need a mobile quarterback who's a superstar to beat Alabama. And I'm kind of like, you know, who struggles to stop mobile quarterbacks who are superstars? Everybody like it's not just who doesn't a, it, Braden, like, like who's not recu- who's not recruiting a mobile quarterback in 2021. Right. And again, like, oh, you couldn't stop Johnny Manziel. I'm like, did anybody else? Like yeah, I don't, no.
2: it, it, it's, And it, things have changed whatever. so dramatically since then that, yeah, at this point, like I I, 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 I want to meet the offensive coordinator who tells me in private, like what I'm looking for is a guy really plants his feet in the ground. Okay. <laughs> Three-step drop and then stands totally still.
0: Speaking of JT Daniels, um, yeah. George, oh. here's the, th- here's the thing. I love JT. We, we kid, we kid. So Georgia just annihilates on yeah. offense after week one, with, this, with the questions around Clemson, of course, they absolutely annihilate UAB and South Carolina. Say what you want about that level of competition, but it's a divisional opponent and a quality Conference USA team. And they did it without breaking a sweat on offense. The defense is still like scored more points than it's allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, the only real question I have at this stage of the season, because I don't think we're going to see until Florida plays Kentucky and until Georgia, you know, we'll talk about their, their game this week, I guess, but like we're not going to know about these two until they play each other. Uh, are we, are we closing the gap here? Like, is there, what cliche can we use to describe the Florida Georgia race in the East now?
2: We don't have to use a cliche slightly more interesting. I, I definitely feel like the dynamic is, is, uh, is closer. And, and I, I just mean that in terms of the distance between quality and what I expect out of that game specifically, I, I, Georgia is still the better football team, but uh, I, I now have faith in Florida really as good as the offense looks there wasn't a lot of like, Oh God, Grantham moments. There wasn't a ton of overlying bad decisions even in the third and Grantham, you know, you have a situation named after you and you didn't do it. So let's, let's go ahead and give you an a for that. Yeah, um, yeah. they're better. Cox and Carter are very good. They're, 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 be- they're good. They, it It will be a better game than I thought. And that's okay to say right now. We still don't know.
0: Okay. Um, all right, let's Auburn and and Penn State again. Officiating was a question here. Auburn fans, it was not the reason you lost the game. I will nope. say, I will say this: I moved Auburn up like in my head nationally after that game, and, and in part because I felt like I saw an actual progression in Bo Nix's development. Like he stood in the pocket, he went through his reads, he he wasn't good enough, and they weren't good enough, and their defense, you know, is not. Knocking down enough passes, <laughs> but they ran the football okay. They, it's a it's a really brutal environment, and Bo Nix didn't look out of place. So I don't know if that's is that all backhanded compliments to Brian Harson? I, I don't know. What I don't did you guys think so. Do?
1: I think it to not look out of place this particular game at Penn State is hard to do. I thought Bo Nix uh, dealt with the noise well. He was poised, and to be in that environment, that alone is saying. A, a lot. Um, he's, I would say that there's a difference between being better, but not being good enough to beat Penn state at Penn state. There's a difference between those two things. He's definitely better. It seems to be meshing well with what Brian Harson has going on offense. I did think that most of Auburn's problems. I mean, one of them came down to that turnover they had in the second half. So, I mean, it would have even been closer had there not been some mistakes, but I don't think Bo Nix in and of himself is was the issue
0: the the fade the fade route is you know, oh. you're, you're, you're genius. If it, if it works, you're the idiot. If it doesn't work, it didn't feel like the right time to call it. I don't I, like, Steven I'm not even normally, giving him the 50 50 on the 50 50 play. I'm not, I, but I know. Here's the thing though. I don't normally, cause you're not in the scouting room when you practice that. Like I normally think blaming officials and blaming play calling are two of the laziest things that fans do, because unless you are in the room with the coach and the quarterback all week, knowing what they're going to call in that formation with that look, that could have been what they planned all along and they just didn't execute. I don't know. Like it would be, well, then it would, do you see what I'm saying though? Like that that is a generous,
2: generous interpretation for Brian Harson, Cause I'm the guy who's been on here for three weeks saying, I can't wait to see this Boise offense work in the sec. And then what does he do? He does something that's unnecessarily complex and in in the game deciding moment, when you do have tank Bigsby and you have an offensive line that was more than comp, like they were competitive. They were better than I thought they would be. That what I think happened there was they were trying to create a rub and then the fade was going to be in separation. This is all too much, guy. This is all too much. (laughs) This is a game of inches moment. And I understand the complexity and love the complexity of what it is you do in that offense. I don't know if this system is as far along with these players through three weeks at the first year that that is your game deciding play call.
0: I'm I'm okay. I'm big okay on
2: big would have been fine in that situation. I,
0: I'm okay with that. I'm. I, can we at least all agree, like with Aaron, and that Bo Nix looks better.
2: Bo Nix yes. is more comfortable with Brian Harson than he was with Gus Mazan.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> Which is ironic because Dylan Gabriel is more comfortable with Gus Malzahn than he was with Josh Heibel, but that's neither here nor there. So, uh, he's not too comfortable <laughs> right now, but yeah. No, that's true. Broken, broken clavicle um, there. Uh, uh, all right. So any other evaluation before we get to the officiating issues, because the targeting, the pass interference, the down that they just skipped altogether, the grounding, uh, the grounding, like, I, I, look, I, I don't know. And we can go to the Mississippi State because I know, Aaron, you were there from Mississippi State Memphis which was a fantastically entertaining football game um, as as Steven i think you suggested it would be but two number fours on the field when the play should have been blown dead both of which could have been reviewed the play in Penn State and the play in Memphis I, the SEC has issued all of these apologies uh, it's i don't it doesn't i don't know what we say here folks like i honestly like it was bad you need to be better what else do we say like these mistakes cannot happen this I mean, is, oh, go ahead, Aaron.
1: No, I read. was just, it just seems like even after just a year, people are kind of out of sorts, including coaching staff in some situations, but mainly officials in terms of what it's like to play with the chaos of a pretty large crowd. I you don't know if it's noise, I don't know. I don't know where things are falling through the cracks, but you know, they're talk- SEC's talking about trying to be more transparent. And I guess on the back end of apologizing for things and admitting mistakes, maybe they are, but um, I guess there also needs to be transparency on what's being done on the front end to make sure this stuff doesn't happen.
2: What they need to do is crow less in, in mixed company and off the record about how their officiating is so much better than the terrible (laughs) ACC and the terrible Pac-12. This was a little bit of karma and a whole lot of hubris, as is most things that come out of Birmingham. This was bound to happen eventually. The fact that that Mississippi State, Memphis, and Auburn, Penn State happened within four hours of each other is – I mean, it's 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 too there's too much kismet there for me not to, to die laughing because what SEC officials will tell you is our officials that will say this every way except this way on the record. Our officials are better. We don't make those mistakes. We have a higher quality. And guess what? As long as there are human officials, you are susceptible to human error. My issue is some of these that actually went to review are baffling. Also, yeah. you didn't need review yeah. on on the ground. He, his foot is never outside the hash mark. He's inside the tackle box.
0: Yeah, no, and this is this is my like like I just said, I don't blame I think blaming officials for a fan's loss is lazy because even in the Penn State game there there were some, they they went both directions, right? Like and, and and when we talk about holding, pass interference, even the targeting call, which I, I you guys tell me, is this actually part of the rule? I've never heard this. When you're going to the ground, you're defenseless. Like I've never even heard that as like a thing described in the uh, play. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I've never heard that. That sounds um,
1: pretty broad to me.
0: <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm right now sitting in this chair, putting weight on it. I'm going to the ground. Like gravity like, yeah.
1: is involved.
0: So I, my argument normally to fans is: look, over the course of 170, 180 plays in a game you're going to have some 50 50 calls and sometimes they're going to go your way. And sometimes they're going to go the other way. And yes. that, and that subjectivity is, is inherent in the game that you have to accept as a fan. When you, when you put your happiness in the hands of uh, 200 strangers that you've never met before, but, but, but a missing a down, yes. missing a down. <laughs> I don't Yeah. Targeting <laughs> is fine. Down.
2: Targeting and, is fine. Brayden. We talk two, about targeting every week.
0: And yeah, it's still a problem. Wearing the same jersey number on the I, same I, I don't, team, I, I, I will cr- say he
1: took a lot of he took a lot of crap for like that getting that getting past Mike Leach. I will say in that moment with all that other stuff going on, I could I don't think you should miss that, but that isn't the most outrageous thing about this whole situation. That there were two guys with the number four on the field is outrageous. Yeah. The fact that somebody missed it amongst that chaos is less outrageous the, to me.
0: You're right about Mike Leach, not the not the. Not, not the coach, the back, not the back judge, <laughs> right? Look, I, I the back be, judge I can I, see all the numbers.
2: I, I want to be clear, it's like coming out of the uh, Louisville Ole Miss game, we talked about this in week one. And I thought, week one problem, we, we ascribe a lot to week one problems. Targeting is going to be systemic this year. We are going to have to figure out what we're doing. I tend to always err on the side of it being targeting if only because we have to change football for actual okay. life uh, and death health, health reasons. We, we I will, all, we I all will separate that. targeting yes. from every other issue here when I am gleefully dunking on the overconfident Southeastern conference. Yes. You
0: missed it down. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they don't do that in peewee. The last time it (laughs) happened in an important game was 30 years ago.
1: The takeaway is there is no upside upside to bragging about officiating no. of your conference. Yeah. Yeah. It is no. a lose-lose situation. There is no benefit in doing that. I totally agree with with Godfrey it, on that.
0: It was a very it was a very Pac-12 afternoon for the SEC four playoffs. years ago.
2: 3 3 whenever Les, it was the day before Les Miles got fired that's what I remember. I embedded at the Pac-12 officiating center for 14 hours. It's this giant room, looks like a control station, like air traffic control, where all of, their, all of their review goes to one place in San Francisco. It's across the street from the Giants Stadium. It's this beautiful facility. And like watching both professional retired Super Bowl refs, and in order to ref a Super Bowl, you have to be graded higher than your peers in the NFL. Going through the review on these things, it is hard. It is subjective. It is very, very difficult, especially when you're there. Uh, I can't remember what game it was. It doesn't matter the time.
0: Was it the, the, US, was the USC Washington state game where they was targeting the quarterback's helmet that got all the controversy in the PAC 12? Well,
2: what had happened was I think that had happened prior. And then my boss sent me the, the PAC 12 was like, look, come see how hard it is. I got you. Yeah. I just remember the game that, that caused the most commotion that day was at Oregon and Colorado. And I think Colorado won. Mac. This is a while ago. McIntyre was there, but my point is I come like I, I respect. Also, here's the other thing too: go to the big 12. They're going to call ineligible uh, man downfield completely different this is a problem in college football i'm not trying to dunk on rest i'm trying to dunk on the concept of thinking that you solved the problem yes yes you did not in fact you came away with the dumbest thing we've seen in a couple decades
0: bro <laughs> missing a down uh and then you cost mississippi state it, again on that one play there were two two issues that should not have taken place for 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 the officials in that game. So, Aaron, how was the game though? How 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 the family? Other you know, than that, how was the play? How did the fan how did the family enjoy the dub?
1: <laughs> well, we didn't know that the weather was going to hold out, but it kind of cleared up, you know, just in time. I mean, the, Dug- the Dugans love a Tiger W. So obviously I had mixed emotions because I wanted, you know, I was raised in Memphis, but also it's you'd rather win in and in, without some egregious errors yeah. from officials. Yeah. So um, I'll take it. Um, the Dugans I'm, were happier. It was a better ride home. Um, could we have won in a less controversial way? Probably.
2: I, I just having a lot of familiarity with Memphis fans over the years, like working in sports journalism in that part of the country. And then also having attended to Ole Miss, I'm pretty sure most Tiger fans didn't care how that thing nope, was carved nope, up. Nope. It was a win over the nope. sec inside the Liberty bowl. And I just that knew happens, I was going
1: to have to talk about it
2: today. Yes. But- <laughs> no, Hey, real fast. This shouldn't take anything away from Memphis. That's a situation. No, there no. are plenty of there were plenty of times where if we're if we're talking about trying to understand narrative here, Mississippi State's defense was not what I thought would be the problem this year. And inconsistency there to go to look at the series of games with NC State in the middle. This is very hard to understand.
0: Th- their defense was good against Memphis. Yeah. It was solid. The only way Memphis scored was with with the weird, all the other weird stuff. Like, it, like this is a Memphis team. That's averaging like whatever, seven, eight yards of play and 500 yards. And they actually did pretty well against uh, Zach Arnett's. I think he's, I think he's solid. I know. I, I think no, he's, I think he's I good. I'm just, so.
2: this is not the same team week to week. And not now we're, that, we're, that. we're far enough away from week one where I'm very confused still. And if I'm looking at going down the stretch now, especially through October, this is probably the one team in the league I would have the mm-hmm. toughest time prognosticating.
0: Okay, that's good. Uh, um, that, just just, you, say, just say COVID a few times to get that taste in your mouth, and, I mean, you'll, be, and you'll be okay. Kind of. Say, say it a few times. That's, I can't believe they've actually kept Mike Leach's mouth. That's in not even that's not healthy. even a vocal warm-up. What does he mean? I
2: don't know. I don't know. Like, like we all work at, like, you guys, especially more than I me, worked with broadcast. him. I worked We're, with him. Yeah. But, like, when you're in broadcast, you, you do vocal warm-ups. COVID doesn't do anything to open the throat. <laughs> it doesn't do anything to, like, Loosen your jaw. What the hell? Why don't people in the scrum, Braden, just
0: go? Hey, what? What are you talking just, about? What? <laughs> Everyone just sits there. Like I oh, hope Coach calls on me. I would, Aaron. I would have loved to have had you be, be there and just been like, uh, "Could you explain? Could you explain that one to me, Coach?" God, so many questions. Uh, Hi, Aaron all right. Dugan. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, just one thing, huh? <laughs> Aaron
0: Dugan of 440 Sports. <laughs> do, do what? Um, all right texas a&m and arkansas we'll talk with clay henry of wholehogsports.com coming up give us a little bit more insight into um, arkansas and we're talking about how do you set up a scenario where you can maybe force bama into what florida did this weekend and texas a&m has the defensive line check they will have the home field advantage uh, against alabama at some point check Um, what we do not know is if they're going to have the quarterback the offense sort of do they have the Dan Mullen Emory Jones schematic thing nick calzada is certainly was certainly better as a as the starting quarterback going through a week of preparation than he was being thrown out there against colorado um, so I, I this this game has been historically crazy not necessarily last year but there have been some really strange games I, and clay will talk about this later this has just been circled for arkansas and not always circled for AM and that's maybe what's led this to be overtime after overtime after overtime that's not the case this year this is arkansas strength power rushing attack with a big quarterback against a defensive line loaded with nfl dudes this is it's, this is yeah. big boy stuff right here
2: strong on strong won't be fun to watch if you like points this is that's the other thing too about this rivalry in recent years it it, it will get off it will get off course very quick and it ends up being a shootout akin to sort of the old big 12 but This is going to be big thing smash against big thing uh, three yards at a time. Situational. I'm not much of a gambling man, but I'm just curious if the under is like nine here. Um, I'm not an expert,
0: but I don't think it's nine.
2: uh, New Mexico. Good warm up. Uh, Glad you got the reps. Probably not going to be good in context here. So I am very curious about the Texas A&M offense. Um, No, look. I don't want to get too bullish on Arkansas because I don't think that they've been tested enough, which is weird because they beat the university of Texas, but that's, that's the world (laughs) we're living in. They're
0: going for the Texas state championship. They've already beat rice.
2: Um, This sets up really well for them. Like insanely well for them. If I'm building a team to beat Arkansas, uh, it ain't this guy. It it ain't this. I I, I'm just kind of shocked as I speak. And it comes out of my mouth that I'm really like, I kind of like the hogs a lot here it's kind of
0: scary. Uh, uh, Aaron, Aaron, your thoughts on the game while I'm scrolling for the uh over the total here.
1: Well, I I Sam Pittman said in his press conference that he's definitely not understating or underestimating Calzada, especially with the way that we saw um uh his play with his wide receivers and his tight end. It seems like that they have belief in him as a quarterback and the trust is more there and is starting to become more developed, um, which will, you know, pose some problems for Arkansas. What he said that they were going to try to do was just stay out of those like third down and long situations, just because of what Texas A&M is able to do on, on defense. Um, but I, I agree with Godfrey. I do think it lines up as well for the Razorbacks as it has in my recent memory. Um, I mean, I think they've When's the last time that they? When's the last time that Arkansas won this matchup?
0: They, they've won it a few times, but only but it's because been... a kind of overlooked them, essentially, right? Yeah. Like it, right? Was, yeah. It was, so they were, yeah, like yeah. you said,
1: they weren't circled.
0: A&M's a five and a half point favorite, which means you're not sneaking up on anybody. They're ranked. Arkansas is, and you just put three thirty on Texas a couple of weeks ago. The total is forty-seven. Um, so, so nine. So, so 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 eleven to eight um is going to be the game i just i just love how crazy this game has been the history between the two programs in the old southwest conference i just i, I just think it's great and that they're both ranked i think it's fantastic we're gonna learn i disagree with you guys i think a&m is constructed because while kj jefferson is a nice big bully quarterback and they've got three or four good running backs and a good offensive line yeah i, I think a&m's got the dudes to stop that and if i you're will gonna, s- and yeah, if you're gonna force yeah. Jefferson to make throws, yeah. that's where I've got questions.
2: I mean, I could definitely talk myself into like, okay, all right, well, this is just more talent. This is a more talented situation that you were in at Colorado. And you got big and small there and survived yeah, that's the game. True. That's and true. you and you you have since gotten the backup repped enough to to open that book more. Cause against Colorado, they were basically running four or five plays because it was an emergency. And so yeah, I mean, I could I could see that either way. I would say how how much better would this rivalry be if Jerry Jones just would leave college football alone and it wasn't stuck in an anonymous parking lot in Dallas, Texas, and it was actually on campus, oh, which is why we like college football.
0: Fayetteville was so so awesome for that Texas win. Yeah, that would be dude. Good. Fayetteville's a, be- a really it's underrated place for game day. Um, it really is amazing. I should have mentioned this when we were talking Mississippi State. They are because um, they'll play LSU this weekend at home. We're talking about not being able to predict them. They are a two and a half point dog at home <laughs> sure. what do we think about that folks
1: black hole
2: <sighs> uh you are asking me to ascribe like thoughts and thi- like concrete statements to this mississippi state team and ed orgeron's lsu it might as well be week negative one <laughs> Seriously, what do you want me to say that I really
1: don't sound know. like it
0: couldn't happen? Week- like, I've never heard weak negative be one before. I would be
1: making something up to say serious. anything.
0: Uh, I don't respect. Like,
2: I, 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 don't believe in the LSU offensive line. I uh, that that's a huge Check. issue there. Um, Mississippi State, as we said, pretty much as a total body, has been inconsistent week to week. I okay. don't think that Mike Leach has evolved. Using more two run back and all this stuff that he slid out during the offseason that particularly
0: well. I, I like state plus the two and a half because I think defensively they're better than people think. And okay, we'll, and will stop Max Johnson. But but a struggling
2: Mike Leach offense could still beat the brakes off of this personnel because we saw them beat the brakes off this personnel. That's
0: what I'm saying. I like Mississippi State plus the two and a half. I will say
2: this. I have spoken like in the actual reporter side of my life the LSU coaching staff that's left over from last year. This is a circle game because they, they got embarrassed. This is, this is so below standard for them that's, and that's personally. True. This will be, th- there will be some, some prejudice applied
0: here for sure.
1: <laughs> I like Godfrey saying, I'm not going to talk about it. Cause I don't respect them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's um, like you
1: won't take a girl home to meet your family because like, you don't respect her. Godfrey's like, we'll not talk about this on the podcast because no respect.
2: Aaron's God, been making I don't, phone calls into what happened 15, 16 years ago, I see. <laughs> I was,
0: I was going to say, there's, there's plenty <laughs> of girls you don't take home to meet your parents. You yeah, just don't yeah, ever tell Aaron, them about them. Uh, yeah. Fringe Element, Aaron Dugan, is brought to you by...
1: Jaspers, why is this getting so much harder for me every week?
0: <laughs> Jaspers, the porch swing of your Saturday afternoon.
1: <laughs> it's not bad, Braden. <laughs> Jaspers, the porch swing of your summer afternoon. <laughs> gliding in the wind of culinary excellence. Wow, nice, I just kept going.
0: Nice. That was the longest one ever. And it worked. It worked. Wow. Just gliding in the excellence. Is uh, that what I said? I, 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 well, culinary excellence. But oh, I just, okay. I, you know, gliding in. Gliding in, in the wind. Gliding in the wind of the excellence is even more impressive, frankly. Um, go to Jasper's.
1: Strong wind of excellence.
0: Where, <laughs> where what? The, where, where the parking lot is uh, nothing but excellence um mm-hmm. the, the menu is nothing but excellence the happy hours are fantastic you can go um it, look you got soccer match on wednesday night you got football on thursdays and fridays like there's tons of reasons to go grab a bite at jaspers of course uh, right. my my wife as i said earlier works over there on west end she's jaspers lunch person all the time loves to get some lunch from jaspers so there's a ton of people working over there so if you want to pop on by it's a great place a to ton of people you. working
2: yeah,
1: tons of oh, people working you, over there. Oh, you meant in the yeah, area. Yeah, like there's like
0: 67 hospitals I you were like, over there. you are like, there's yeah. people
1: that work at Jasper's? <laughs> you could get a nice breeze if you the parking lot gets a nice breeze to it. <laughs> come, it can Come
0: to Jasper's. You can Jasper's. also operate a
1: port swing, the parking uh, lot.
0: Come, come to Jasper's, where we have employees.
1: Braden sometimes feeds his wife lunch from there or just doesn't give her lunch at all. It just depends <laughs> on the day.
0: Yeah, it depends, it depends on the day. Sometimes
1: my wife eats lunch it if depends. I bring it to her. Well,
0: um, no, Jasper's has... A fantastic menu, a fantastic parking lot. Yes, there is a breeze in the parking lot from time to time. And people work there. And, and they have employees. So these are reasons to go to Jasper. <laughs> They're missing nothing. <laughs> okay. Someone, someone, <laughs> so, someone will, in fact, come take your order. If you, walk into, if you walk into Jasper's, somebody will be there to ask, what can I get for you?
1: Which, honestly, in Nashville, there's a lot of places <laughs> where that doesn't happen just these crowded bars despite ongoing large sweeping pandemics and then no one takes your order you have to you have to fight your way to the front not at jaspers
0: they just stand there and stare at you like what you want me to serve you and we're like uh yeah Mm -hmm. that's what that is in fact what we want (laughs) i I, i'm here for a cocktail what are you doing here
1: (laughs) (laughs) just trying to get a nice fresh Uh, breeze okay we should keep going
0: that's not what happens with Jen with two N's. You walk into Jasper's. Oh, and she's yeah. She's like, what can I get you? Like, takes her two seconds. She's re- She's got your order. She's re- you're ready to go. So, go to with Jasper's. With that extra
1: N comes a big extra dose of enthusiasm.
0: Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you have it. So, go to Jasper's. Lots of enthusiasm, employees, a breeze in the parking lot, uh, all that great stuff. So, go to yep. Jasper's. There you have it. All right, quickly here, we can do some rapid fire at the end. Um, Matt Corral is now your betting favorite to win the Heisman Trophy after a 1,000 touchdowns against Tulane, which is not a performance to be overlooked. They just sort of picked their number and said, we want it to be 61. Um, Tulane's a pretty good offensive team. The story is not Matt Corral, though, because that's what's getting all the coverage. The story is, are they doing things on the other side of the ball that is worth talking about?
2: Uh, Yeah, because I watched part of this game specifically because I felt like you were going to ask me this. I also felt like I had to give it due diligence because I apply a more critical eye to the alma mater. Uh, The 21 points scored by Tulane. The first drive was basically set up by a fumble. I believe it was inside the 35. Very short field. And also the situation was it's kind of it had a wonky energy to the game because it was two hours late. Uh, It's it's a it's not the best field turf surface at Vaught Hemingway and it was soaking wet. So when you have track star teams like that, it, it, it had a, it had a sloppiness to it that I think was specific to that game. If you take out that and short Tulane's, score
0: and Tulane's practicing in Tuscaloosa.
2: Yes. And it, well, they, I mean, they were talking about on the broadcast Tulane basically hasn't been home in a month plus. Like if you take out that short score, Tulane has really two honest scoring drives in the entire game, which for that chip long offense, who's, who's done a pretty decent job taking over for Will Hall this, thus far. I mean, they scared the, they scared the daylights out of Oklahoma um i I, look they're marginally better i'm still not sold i I just want to see it against bigger bodies the problem is we're not gonna until we see it against the biggest bodies
0: which is that's which is in two weeks because they get an off week we get an off week and i i cannot wait for which is when that heisman talk dies yeah (laughs) quickly
1: they're, they're lucky that their deficiencies are going in this order because of how their offense is running and their, um, like versatility on that front, they may be able to eke out enough time to figure out what's going on on defense, just because of what they're able to put up on the scoreboard. But you're right. There's going to be some bigger tests down the road. Um, but like Braden, and I always talk about like that deep, like defensive ability kind of tends to trend on an upward trajectory, as long as you don't have any season ending injuries. So maybe they'll buy themselves enough time to, you know, get, get into a better spot.
2: They're not I, there yeah, yet. I, I totally agree. And I don't want to sell them short on the whole. I think they are a better defense and they will be a better team for it this season. I just, I can't shake the image of Bryce young walking in on day one, even against Miami and just going, Oh, uh, pressure directly in the middle. I'll step up. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Throw it like threading a needle, 25 yards. Like that's, it, it's not going to happen against Bama what Lane is very good at is just eliminating any context in that, throw it out, move on. And yeah, this is a team that may only have this, this is a, potentially a nine and three team.
0: They, I said this all summer. They will win all the games. They're favored in. They will lose all the games. They're an underdog in that's you don't that's,
2: think they'll have a classic Ole miss. Like the, the Hugh freeze era was always good for one bizarre hiccup.
0: Like Brett Bielema just beats you by 27. I I, yeah. They always I, win when think, they, they shouldn't often, and
1: lose when they shouldn't. Right. Always. I
0: think the years they beat
2: offense, Bama, they lost
0: terribly. I think I, I know. I think their offense is too consistent. I, I just think they're. Yeah, I
2: will say. I will say nothing that he's doing is even remotely comparable to the Hugh Freeze era because that would stop and start, and there would be fits. There, you'd have quarterback issues.
0: We, you don't. You the... don't have bad Matt Corral. Good Matt Corral. You just have Matt Corral scoring touchdowns my alma
2: mater is a giant headache I I would be remiss if I didn't say that this is the most entertaining offense in the entire sport right now including the NFL and that if you have a free moment and you don't care and you aren't like a Mississippi State fan fire it up (laughs) against anybody Maybe even against Alabama, especially in the first quarter, and you will see something that moves so quickly and is so is so fluid. It, it's really hard to explain how good they are, and Braden, how complex that they can execute on. Watch uh, the
0: linebackers. Yes, watch th- the th-
2: linebackers on the other it, team. It is, they, they have. It no, looks like
0: jackass. They have no fucking clue what's. It happening. looks like jackass. <laughs>
2: You'll see like guys flailing and falling down, just like like bodily harm in the open field because. <laughs> if I had to describe it very quickly and very yeah. succinctly, it's all the complexity of shift motion concepts and route trees, but they're moving it so fast and they're putting so much faith in corral to audible, essentially as he's running down the field between plays that outside of the front four on defense, other than just try to get to the, try to get to the ball carrier. There's no way to communicate
0: coverage. Yeah. Your, your head is absolutely spinning. The linebackers, on the RPOs and the zone, like it's all, it's just, it's impossible yeah. to defend um, unless of course those front four guys are just mauling people. Like maybe Alabama's will do but that. Um, and that Darian Ely kid is going to be a beast
2: that that'll be a name to remember.
0: Uh, K- Kentucky real quickly. They struggle with Chattanooga. They get a late, uh, you know, long pick six to sort of my, my issue with this game wasn't that a, a, a team struggled with an FCS team that that happens from time to time. Almost everybody has that sort of yeah. moment. Okay. Uh, my issue was they, they, they weren't like, the style with which they struggled, not being able to run the football, not stopping the run. They did not win the line of scrimmage battle. And that is what they did to Missouri to actually, mm-hmm. you know, they're still pretty good shape. They're still a pretty good team. And they, and they got South Carolina this week. But the concern to me was like, all right, defense, I think the offense will be fine. The offensive line will be fine. To me, it's sort of like, well, how good is this defense? Are we as good as we thought we were?
2: My entire concern is what you said. It's just the chronology of it because I watched every bit of the Louisiana Monroe game and part of the Missouri game and everything that I saw in the highlights and going back and looking at the drive charts for Chad, not a game. I obviously tuned into this past week. I didn't assume it would, it would end up like this, but the, the, the this was the week one problem game that you have adjusting to the offense. How does this happen after the Missouri game? That's the scary
0: part. I, I watched way too much of it because they're my Wildcats, so okay. I watched a lot of the second. You round. really
1: downplay how much we, all, how much faith we all had in Kentucky. Yeah, no, we were, a, yeah, okay. we were all okay. Team Kentucky.
0: Best okay. job. Just, I just want to. I'm trying to take the blame here, though, which is hard for me sure to say. I, I want to carry the burden of of the show being. If we are wrong about Kentucky, I will be the one that that wears that around my neck. I'm oh, fine really?
1: That. that was that. your selfless act. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's fine. Your okay.
1: cross to bear, Braden?
0: Just trying to do something fucking nice for you guys. Jesus. Pious. Jesus wow. Christ. Jesus Christ.
1: I- I think that hey, they're going to
0: have, if they lose to the South Carolina, sorry,
2: Aaron, if they lose to the South Carolina, then you get to be pied. Then you take okay. it for us. Okay. Yep. Okay. Right. <laughs>
1: I, I, learning to deal with like shift the getting back to the middle thing. I always talk about like learning to deal with momentum shifts is, is something that I think Kentucky's going to have to figure out just, uh, you know, that ebb and flow that's um, you don't want, you'd rather be up the whole time, but it's going to happen. And how do you deal with it? And how do you mentally deal with it and physically deal with it is going to be the theme for them, I think going forward
2: forward. Uh, Aaron. I was gonna say, Aaron, you, you hear this all the time in interviews too. And, and I think for a while we would discount it when we were like, I know I did it at young, uh, younger times in my career. I'm really starting to respect when coaches say we have to stay consistent. I used to just throw that out. I'm like, I don't really understand what that means. I don't understand the context for it. This is the example that they're talking about is the consistency issue. This is what coaches are saying, because I think it's because I'm a parent now. And you're like, if you break anything, if you break any routine for a second, yeah. Hell hath no fury. Yeah, like all right.
0: the all the things you're trying to teach this ch- this small tiny human for the last six weeks go out the window. Right. Yes. Yeah. In thirty just, seconds, if you just don't, if you break, if you break yes. Basically, I'm just looking at my four-year-old just screaming rat poison at her, and she doesn't understand. It's and and I
2: think maybe coming off that Missouri win, it it was very un-Kentucky like to lose that consistency because Stoops is a pretty he's kept it very steady there.
1: Mm -hmm. And a good way to read that too, just as a side note, or something I always look at is the sideline. That that the energy on the sideline as well as on the field should be relatively consistent because those are the people kind of maintaining the energy when the guys are in the game, like up and down. So if something bad happens and the sidelines dead silent everybody's moving people's heads are down that's a bad sign there should be like consistency from the sideline because to me that the energy goes back and forth it kind of dictates they dictate each other so it's right. a good way to read if they're getting really high or re- really low on different after each play
0: right. don't be reactive be proactive
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: if you um real quickly a couple more games here and then we'll wrap up mizzou at boston college was a really really sneaky good game on paper I know it's only a two and a half point spread for Mizzou, but Phil Djokovic, their starting quarterback, is is, is not going to play for Boston College, which sucks because it ma- would have made this game a really good quarterback game. Um, but if Mizzou can go up there and win a tough game, that is a physical. Yeah, dude, th- that is a physical sort of identity culture cliche type of program now under Jeff Halfley. If they go up there and win that game, they've got a couple of more W's on their schedule. They very much could be five and one when Texas A&M comes that, to Columbia. So if they win, I, honestly, with even with Djokovic, I'll give them this
2: ask. Like, I won't put an asterisk on it. I don't think people understand how, how, how like fundamentally good BC has become in such a yep. short amount of time. Yep. You're going to hear Jeff Halfley's name a lot. And especially when you look over in that league, They've been wildly consistent in the face of programs that have had head coaches with longer tenures and more talent struggling to do what they've accomplished in short order. This is a challenge. This is a test. It won't be much of an environmental test, but um, if Mizzou wins this, I will, I think, I think I'm going to start to kind of have opinions and understand where they, where they fit in the overall scheme. Um, Yeah. I'm very interested in this game.
0: They're an upper third, (laughs) bottom upper third (laughs) team. Like, it's if hard. they win this game, if they don't win this game, then they're just a middle of the pack SEC team. That's got a good quarterback with a nice coach. And that's, that's sort of about it. Um, when will you be called for jury duty on the uh first degree homicide that will take place in Nashville?
2: <sighs> I just want to go because, so I'm, I'm going to go to this game. Uh, and I'm going because I think I, I, I just want to see Georgia in person. I just want to see this. I want to see like this front seven. Get some other things done. Maybe I'll bring
0: some, like, I don't know, like a book or something. Aaron, <laughs> uh, are you going to go watch uh, the All Modern this weekend? They're a 35 and a half point dog.
1: It's just tough, probably. <laughs> but
0: I will say how many How many cocktails at Jasper's before we go to the game? 35 and a half. What, Aaron? What
1: time is kickoff again? It's, it's
0: 11. <laughs> uh. Okay, well,
1: that depends. That, that gets in the way a little bit, but as much as we can. Don't they ever been at 10 for brunch? We'll have a solid <laughs> hour.
2: It's a very, if you have a very productive 10 a.m., you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there you go. To what Aaron said earlier about sideline psychology and just the physical behavior and all this kind of stuff. If if everything that Clarkley is selling is even halfway legit, the fourth quarter of this game is going to be wildly important for the next two years. Because Aaron can speak to this and should speak to this. Vanderbilt implodes on the reg. Vanderbilt disappears the energy the identity and really the reason the proof of concept for investing in this program both as like a rank and file fan as a booster as an alumnus they need to find a way to live through this they are not going to win this game and they are going to lose by a lot how they conduct themselves and how this team look because let me if you don't understand what i'm saying and you're a real sicko Go on YouTube and watch the blowout losses from the last two years and you'll see what I'm talking about.
0: I'm not gonna do that. <laughs>
2: she, she, she's
0: already lived through
2: them once. Yes. Sorry. She doesn't want to go through
0: that again. Yeah. Other guy, people should. No, I think you I think I
2: believe in I believe in the concept. But yeah. he's he's got it he's got a hell of a task psychologically until they could even yeah. have yeah competitive football players on that roster
1: right and how do you use and how do you when you're down by a lot when you're getting your ass kicked for lack of a better phrase what do you do with it are you just trying to maybe salvage some kind of self-respect and like right. just tr- sort of kind of ease by or are you using it to continue to learn to try things out like even if you're going to lose the game if it would take a miracle for you to win the game like what are what are you using that fourth quarter for exactly like you said steven and and how do how do you how do you actually make it a learning experience rather than just trying to duck your head and hide
0: so exactly i i purposely wanted to bring florida tennessee one of the greatest rivalries in the sec and the most important one for about a decade in the late 90s um i waited till the very end to bring this one up because i think that's the exact same thing that tennessee is going to have to do in the fourth okay. quarter as well and here's here's why to to your point aaron and, and, and steven like It's about having pride in yourself is what it is. And that's what Clark, I'm I'm with you guys. I believe in what Clark Lee is sort of how he's selling it, but you've got to kind of show kids like, this is what, like take pride in what you're doing. And I thought Tennessee against Pittsburgh, if that was a Jeremy Pruitt coach team, like I said, last week on the show, that team quits and they lose, you know, one of those patented Jeremy Pruitt, 25 and a half point losses. Yeah. But they didn't, they fought like hell. They looked like they enjoyed playing football together. And they kind of almost got back into that game and won it. That's not going to happen this week against Florida. But what do you look like in the second half? Do you look like you have pride in the name on the front of your jersey as much as you've got it on the name of the back? And, you know, do you care about it? If if Josh Heupel wants to buy a tremendous
2: amount of goodwill from a fan base that's probably been more psychologically abused than any I can think of in the last 15 years, then they die standing on their feet on Saturday. Right. And what I mean by that is – be aggressive and take shots even when you're down big in the second half and they're running all over you because they're going to shift into that second year and just sort of close you out and flatten you. That's what Dan Mullen offenses are very good at. You're not that team. It's not going to happen. Eye on your feet because they need it. Look, here's the big difference though. Braden Vandy Georgia means nothing in any, in any kind of circle or social standing. This is a damn big deal in Knoxville. This is Florida. Die standing on your feet.
1: You think you would think sometimes with these rivalry matchups that the passion is so high that no matter what you don't give up. And oftentimes we find that's the opposite because when you get the air taken out, taken out of you in a rivalry game where there's been so much buildup and even if it hasn't been a rivalry game in the recent past and isn't re- and definitely isn't one this year, there is a history there. And so sometimes when you get the, the, um, you know your feet taken out from under you in a game where there's so much buildup, whether it's rightfully so or not, then it's the tendency to give up is is higher than than you would think that it would be.
0: Yeah, it's it's get off the mat and get knocked out. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> instead instead of the TKO. Um I look they're only it's only a 16 and a half point spread. Could there be some sort of emotional letdown for Florida, maybe I mean, Dan Mullen's already playing all the mind games with the crowd. Like, make sure the crowd's loaded up again. Come on. Like, they're going to be there for right. like, like, like number one in Alabama. But I, I we'll see. I, I don't have much faith in it. I, I'm with, I think Dan Mullen, to your to your point, in that front front seven, they're num- number two rushing team in America right now. Uh, yeah. Josh Hype's offense is ranked like in the, I, I want to say it's 5.4 yards per play like down in the nineties, like that's not a, ju- like they haven't played anybody and they're not putting up big plays. Like that's, well, it, the, the, that's, that's, a that, that's a time
2: to adjustment. And that's a personnel deficiency, especially coming off that, that, and I don't ever like to do this is that's a Jeremy Pruitt problem. And the terrible offenses that they ran there that personnel did not fit what Hypo's going to do.
0: No, no, no. They have nice offensive weapons and they played Bowling green and Tennessee tech. Okay. They don't, They've got three or four good receivers. And Florida just they're, lost They're just—they're like not fit for what Salabana. he would do. I don't disagree with you. I think the quarterback is a problem, and if he continues to try to shove Joe Milton out there, I don't know. I just, that I don't, yeah, no, that I don't I understand. The, but
2: even look, even when it's clicking, that offense when he was at Central Florida, it's a ten-cent pistol. Okay, that what that's what's even with, let's say two or three years from now, this is a much better Tennessee team, and Nate Mullen is still at Florida the style contrast it was always going to favor florida because they will yeah. lean
0: on you and maul on you that is one so, ba- that is one badass black key song though 10 cent pistol that's one of my favorites no question about that uh, What about
1: question marks are definitely the name of the game this year that's popping up more than i remember it popping up in a long time
0: yep yep all right uh anything else uh, any anything else anybody'd like to add to this long meandering discussion about the sec
2: get it together kentucky or it's braden's fault
1: Damn it. yeah but if they're really good i said it first
0: south carolina is
2: like it's gonna cure what ails you this year you got a problem with your football team they'll play them game cocks
0: i have i have a feeling that 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 is true so much so that they just threw stetson bennett out there just randomly aaron i know you brought this up in before the show like hey, just what? throw them throw out there first pass interception okay let's go back to the guy who's good oh.
1: i truly i mean i don't know i don't get it
0: Yep, I don't either. Uh, all right, uh, boys and girls, enjoy, of course, week number four. When we return here on Fringe Element, you will hear my conversation with Clay Henry of Whole Hog Sports. Well, Clay, always a pleasure, man. Good to see you. Good to talk with you. Good to have you on the show. Um, obviously, a massive football game. Before we get into the specifics of the game for Arkansas and for Texas A&M coming up this weekend. I just want to get your thoughts on how this team has evolved in Sam Pittman's second year. Uh, obviously, the offensive line, he's an offensive line coach. They're running the football like crazy. What has been the secret to that transformation?
3: Yeah, I think that two things. Um, you, When you're good in the offensive line, it helps your defensive line. When you're good in the defensive line, it helps your offensive line. You know, the old. Saying iron strengthens iron, and that's what's going on. And uh, I can remember sitting with uh, with Brett Bielema when he came to Arkansas, and he we talked about what you know what the SEC was like, and uh, you know he said, "Well, you just you know you you need to be good in the offensive line." And I don't think he got it for a couple of years that how deep the defensive line had to be in the SEC. That you have to be able to rush the passer in the fourth quarter. You have to be able to stop the run, um, or nothing else matters. And the Heat said after a year or two, he is every good team that we play, and that's you know that's Florida, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn. Those teams that you know are going to be good every year have eight defensive linemen, and I I can remember oh maybe pretty soon into my time covering the sec 30 years ago and you'd watch in pregame warm-ups and you watch the defensive line and you'd see three groups and you couldn't you couldn't pick out who were the starters you know i mean you, you could look in the roster and you would know but then you'd look at arkansas and they'd have four and if you got somebody hurt then you're in real trouble but the you know those good lsu teams and you know georgia and Florida and back to the former Tennessee team, same deal. Uh, Those good SEC teams are just loaded on the defensive front and and have good offensive line. And that's what Sam's done in a really short period of time. And they have eight defensive linemen. They were playing a three front last year because they didn't hardly have three, but they really have worked in the off season. They added the three transfers. Ridgeway is really a good player at nose tackle. And I think he wore out uh, Texas's redshirt freshman center in about 10 plays. And then they brought in uh, two more guys in the first half that rotated. I think that guy wanted the game to be over at halftime. (laughs) And that's what you have to do when you're to be able to play and hold your own with these SEC teams. And Texas A&M is like that. And uh, I can remember watching Texas and Texas A&M and Arkansas in the glory days of the Southwest Conference. And they were the only ones that really had defensive linemen that you thought were SEC type players, what we know right now. And uh, that's where the game is won. Everybody watches the ball. You watch that tall sweep and you, you know, your, your eyes follow the ball, and if you'll train your, your field glasses right on that center, you'll see the guards, you'll see the defensive tackles, and you'll see the linebackers flash, and that'll tell you what's going on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's sometimes this really, really complex game is overly simple at times, and uh, and that's sort of my second question about the quarterback play for Arkansas, which Obviously, when you're running for 280 yards a game, over 300 yards a game or whatever against Texas, it certainly allows your, your quarterback to um, a lot of that pressure to be removed from him. Has, what, what have you seen from, from KJ Jefferson? What are they asking him to do? And do you think they're going to have to ask him to do more in this situation? Because to your point, Texas A&M's got some NFL guys uh, on that defensive line. Th- those, are, those are not the same players that Texas had. These are SEC A&M guys.
3: No, you're right, Braden. in the linebacker play. Texas was really substandard with their linebackers. They could not fill the alleys. And so, but K.J. Jefferson, what he is, he's another tailback or another fullback, whatever you want to call him. Uh, There's been all those Cam Newton comparisons, and he's not that, but he's close. And I can remember talking to Dave Rader, who was – Old head coach at Tulsa, and he came over and watched to practice early on. Um, he was Shula's offensive coordinator at Alabama. Watched an Arkansas practice just for funsies, and he's like, "This, this KJ Jefferson is gonna be a dude." Now he's not ready in the passing game. He can't right. fit it in a tight window, and you have to be able to do that on third and seven, or you run the quarterback draw on third and <laughs> seven if everybody's gonna play man. And but that's what he gives you is another another guy and he seems to be able to to read the, the tackle. He's playing his keys. He's just do he doesn't have to be Superman. He doesn't have to be Cam Newton. He just has to be able to run Kendall Brown's offense and, and not make bad plays. and that's what he's doing. They're not having a lot of lost yardage plays. He's throwing it away. he's not throwing it into coverage. He, he's he's just been what they need when they're winning the battles up front and then they've got four or five running backs that, that are not bad. Yeah. They're not, they there. There's not any of them that are say Isaiah Spillers like, or Darren McFadden like, or Felix Jones like, but they're really good and they're going to get better. And, you know, with all of it works together. You know, they're better in the secondary. They're better at linebacker, but K.J. Jefferson, because their team is better, it just has to be K.J.
0: What is it about this game over the last 10 years, eight years, whatever? Why is this game as insanely bizarre as this game has been?
3: Well, I think that sometimes uh, one side maybe was better, didn't take the game as seriously. In the SEC, you, you circle two or three. And I think Arkansas, when they weren't as good, circled this game and really got ready for A&M and probably played up to A&M's level. And then there were some, you know, there's been some other games where, you know, A&M just didn't play well, and it, and it became, you know, a dogfight. And there've been some really fun games. Uh, last year's game wasn't one of them. It, it was, and then you can you can go find, you know, like a Johnny Manziel game that that wasn't close. But the rest of them, you know, they've been overtime or the last possession or something bizarre happened. And there was one of those games where I think Arkansas clearly outplayed them, but they had a, a tripping penalty by Dan Skipper and, you know, got to the goal line and, and fumbled or did something crazy, you know, and it looked like they were dominating the game when they really might have had better linemen than Texas a and I think this is going to be a dogfight. I think this is, this is going to be a super game. It will be physical as all get out, and, and uh, I think uh, you know this is a blue-collar Arkansas team, and I think that's kind of what Jimbo's done with Texas A&M is made them blue-collar where they weren't before. I mean, I don't think Kellen Mond was anything special, but they were so good up front on you know, their offensive line and their front seven that they just don't do anything crazy, don't get us beat, and he was that, that kind of guy last year for them.
0: Was that win over Texas like was that the biggest win since when like 07 beating LSU? Like, when When was because I know the borderline erotic game took place, but that's kind of in a bowl okay. game. And, and that I'm not was sure if
3: that... not, yeah, that was not vintage Texas. Throw that one out, yeah. That they that was uh Charlie Strong on his way out, let's put it that way. You know, he that was where everybody at Texas knew Charlie wasn't the right guy, bless right. his heart, right? And, and Arkansas was pretty good up front on both sides of the ball and they kicked their butt but that's you know it was not anything to brag about uh, or to give your coach and athletic director new contracts (laughs) over it wasn't that in fact I remember uh, talking at halftime with Kirk Bowles and I said that is not vintage Texas there's nothing to brag about you know and knocking the snot out of these guys I mean they just came in and and laid down I mean you know." get any real satisfaction other than that's a notch in the series you know that's that's all it is but i want to tell you arkansas has been down so far that that game two weeks ago restored pride in the state and it uh, might not be a good texas team we'll we'll know more later but there's a lot of four stars on that texas roster uh they now they got whipped physically and, and i i think that was but just just think about this, KJ Jefferson. You say, "Well, he's not been great." Well, how many Arkansas quarterbacks can say they put up 40 on the Longhorns? <laughs> not very many. Not Quinn Grovey. Not Matt Jones. Matt got 38, but he didn't get 40. Uh, so, but yeah, it was. It meant a lot to the program. Meant a lot to the state of Arkansas. A lot of pride. Uh, I'll tell you another thing that's interesting. You know, you got. 12,000 students in the stands about half of them are from texas it meant a lot to them they couldn't get into the university of texas there's an awful lot of arkansas students that because of that six percent rule graduating you have to be in six percent of your graduating class in the state of texas to go to, to ut hey there, there's some texas hate in those guys <laughs>
0: I love that. I love the student body analysis of a rivalry. That is why we love college, college football. It's so what much. it's all about. I know. I agree, man. And so if they win this game, let's hypothetically say they win this game. Is that, is this the biggest, I mean, again, am I, am I correct to go all the way back to 07? Is that the sort of.
3: Probably so. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you go back and think the Patrino going to the BCS game, the LSU game, yeah, the mil you know, the beaten LSU to, uh, get the trip to new Orleans that that's pretty big Yeah. and they were you know they were playing ohio state for really to finish in the top five in the in the national polls so that that's pretty good but so here's what they'll have i've got you know we do hogs illustrate magazine always thinking about all right what am i gonna put on the cover <laughs> it will say if arkansas wins this game it will say texas state champs on the cover oh of i love the it Vice, you beat texas you beat. Texas A&M, I mean nobody else wants to play him so that you know, that's it 3 and 0.
0: Watch out for those TCU Horn Frogs there, all right? Watch out. Yeah, for those... well they,
3: they might well they backed out of the bowl games so they're already <laughs> they're already disqualified, Braden.
0: I love it, dude. I love it so much. This is why to be
3: fun. Make it this, fun.
0: This is why I love college football. Um I think you're right, it's going to be an absolute war. Um I mean A&M's the, the slightly perceived better team in the edge here. I, I don't know if you've got a. I, I'm not a. Big, I'm not big on predictions. I sort of just like enjoying the games. But if you've no, got no, this a, is.
3: how you got to be Roy Kent, right? Ted Lasso. You got to be Roy Kent. We're not down there. We don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, love, I love it. I love it. It's and he won all kinds of awards. I think right. Didn't didn't t- they Lasso won them all. all.
3: When every yeah, they want them all. I mean, we don't. We watch each episode twice in my house well, because we can't get all the English dialect. You know, and my wife listen to the Cajuns.
0: And my wife—that's exactly right. My wife falls asleep in every episode, so I get to watch it twice. So she like she has to keep watching them, and I'm like, okay, we're still on episode one, right? Like, how many times do we have to watch this before you're gonna make it through the entire episode? So, uh, Clay, man, always a pleasure, man. Enjoy the game this weekend. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Gonna be a battle, and um, go go get that state championship. All right.
3: Okay, Braden. Anytime. Thank you. My privilege.
0: That was Clay Henry of WholeHogSports.com. Of course, go check out the website if you're an Arkansas fan. If if you are, I imagine you've already been to the website. So they uh, hogs illustrated all those guys. Uh, tons of people do great work over there. And uh, as he said trying to become Texas state champs as they will put on the cover of the magazine. If Arkansas wins this weekend, the, the, the hogs illustrated magazine will say Texas state champs, uh, on it next, uh, next week. So I can't wait for that game. Going to be a ton of fun. I, I, I wish Florida, Tennessee mattered more and was be closer. I just don't see it that way. I know your alma mater's in, in a tough spot. Uh, Mississippi state LSU, I think is genuinely very interesting for all the reasons that we didn't say earlier.
1: Yeah, because we like don't know anything.
0: So I guess we'll learn about these two. I guess something, you
1: know? someone's gonna get, someone's gonna lose their, their cool. I don't know if it's gonna be a player, a coach. I just Ooh. have this, un, this feeling that I don't know if a shoe is gonna get thrown, but something's gonna happen.
0: This is I love this call by you. I I love this. There just, will there will be an incident. Right.
1: <laughs> that Mike Leach and the and Mississippi state's coming off a weird week and they're probably going to have some, uh, what is it like misplaced emotion from everything that they didn't do or stick up for themselves last week. LSU is just insane. So we'll see.
0: I know. I totally agree. I, this is, this is a great call by you and Steven's not around to hear this. So I will absolutely make sure that if something happens, you get your credit next week on the show.
1: Thank you, Brayden.
0: hundred percent. I feel
1: like Godfrey would agree with me on that too.
0: Just like you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, Mississippi state did get into a massive brawl in the bowl game.
1: (laughs) It's not, it's not like a huge hot take, like interesting, interesting go. Maybe not a, not a hot take. No one's going to
0: disagree. I like the call though. It's fun. It's a very fun call. There will be a bizarre incident in the LSU Mississippi state game. All right. Uh, Aaron Dugan, Fringe element is brought to you by
1: Jaspers the where the original recipe for pig suey
0: jaspers where you can get almost the whole hog on top of your sweet potato fries almost i mean obviously that would be a lot of animal on top of one order of fries but
1: that would be jaspers the only restaurant ever that has a chef that could actually market pig suey pig (laughs) stewie,
0: pig stewy look at you
1: look at that
0: I We know Deb listens to every second of this show, so she's got a new idea. <laughs> she's got a new idea right there. Um, go to Jasper's where you can get some pig stewy. How about that? <laughs> That's fantastic. Free parking
1: and a side of pig stewy. There you I go. It.
0: I love it. Uh, for Stephen Godfrey, her name's Aaron Dugan. My name's Braden Gall. Thanks to Clay Henry for joining us as well. Enjoy week four, everybody. Please rate, review, subscribe, share the show. And you know what? Happy birthday to 440 Sports. If you're listening to this on yes. Wednesday... 440 Sports is 1 year old. So Happy thank you. birthday
1: to us.
0: Thank you to all of you out there who have listened and have subscribed and have shared the product and been a part of it. Thank you. That's all I got to say. Thank you. We'll
1: and do thank- something nice. We'll do something nice for them.
0: And thank you for listening to the show. Enjoy week 4 everybody. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network.